Welcome to the Guiding Light on Route 66. I'm Father Richard Vega, your host, and with me is my co-host, Jamie Gutierrez. How you Hello. doing? Oh, I am good. I'm I'm wired right now because I just had coffee. So and then before this, we were listening to Selena. So I am very I'm happy. in the zone. I'm in the zone. I just had lunch with my mama. So we're 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 good. Very good. Yeah, I'm in a happy mood. Okay. Sunny well, let's make it happier. Yes. Well, it's hard to believe we're about to enter the third week of Lent. Yes. It is, is, where's time going? It is March. Yeah. It's, what? Yeah. I blinked and it's March again. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. Can you believe it will be almost a year in pandemic in a little less than two weeks? It kind of feels normal now. Is, is it really normal? Is, it's not normal, but it kind of feels like it. Yeah. Kind of feels like going back to... An old way is going to be very hard to adapt to. Mm. Yeah, well, this week, something unusual and special is happening. What, Father? This Tuesday, uh-huh. the 9th of March, we will celebrate the Feast of St. Francis of Rome. Ooh, our name of our church, our That's patron a, saint. Our patron saint. Now, first of all, yes. how would you expect to spell Francis of Rome? Um, I expect to spell it with the C-E because I grew up at this parish. Okay. However. Yes. 99.9%. I think Francis, I I think I was meant to be here in, at St. Francis of Rome because just like how many times I have to correct people on not spelling Jamie in the high myth sense. Oh, yeah. It's the same as Francis with spelling it with an I. Well, be- first of all, mm-hmm. most people think it's, it's St. Francis of Assisi. Oh, yeah. They Which is a, the patron saint of who? Ooh. Animals. Uh, yes. Yes. And his feast is? I have no clue. October 4th. <laughs> How do you know this? <laughs> Just off the top of my... I barely remember that it's my mother's birthday today. <laughs> I can't remember. But, but October the 4th is St. Francis of Assisi. But because mm-hmm. it's Francis of Rome, obviously the only place people know in Rome seems to be Assisi. Mm-hmm. Not any place else. Yes. Correct. But it is a woman. It's a woman, and she is not the patron saint of animals. What is she the patron saint of? Of motorists and the poor. Mm-hmm. Have you ever looked at our, our our emblem for the parish? Yes, I have. Do you know what it shows as the, her, like? She has um, a little basket. A little basket and a? And a halo. Not a halo, a glow. A glow. According Ooh. to the legend... Uh-huh. Well, first of all, she was very concerned about the poor mm-hmm. and education. So sometimes the in front she'll have a bowl and like a, a, a book. book. Uh-huh. And then the glow is because she was able to see her guardian angel. Yeah, that's that's why she's always pictured with a little like angel a, on the side. Although was he like Jiminy Cricket sat on your shoulder and just kind of like that's cute. <laughs> I would like, I, man, if I have an angel, I want the, the image I had when I was making my first communion. I want this big angel with huge ass wings that just kind of <laughs> covers you. I feel like if I was ever to see my guardian angel, it would be a constant face palm. Like he's like, hi, why, Jamie? Why? 
why did, did you really think that through you know yeah <laughs> so i feel like maybe i shouldn't see my guardian angel because i would just see him in the corner like but do you know why what the purpose of the guardian angel was or why she was committed to the poor and all that kind of stuff well i know that um she at first wanted to be uh to go enter into um becoming a nun correct correct into the comet and then um but she was already betrothed okay now here's the question uh-huh. how old was she when she was betrothed and married she was like 13 she was young 12 she was yeah she was really young um she was a very faithful woman and so when she from what i know from from what i have learned from um my sources um <laughs> she was really really upset finding out that she was betrothed because she wanted to become right un- and then um they said if she want if she was upset because she wanted to do god's will or she wanted god to do her will Ooh, right yes very good and that's when she found she realized okay you know what whatever is my plan i will still serve and do god's will and so she married but isn't it a little freaky that at 12 years oh, old yeah, you're being married absolutely. and then especially back then it wasn't to another 12 year old it was well, to an not, older I, I would think it's he's not much older than her yeah. in this particular case because it was an arranged marriage yeah yeah and yeah i don't know and how they much, were wealthy right well this is one of those little pieces that i'm not i'm not really sure about uh-huh. because she was wealthy uh-huh. and her husband-to-be was wealthy but supposedly they weren't of the same economic class. Mm. So I don't know if she was just a little poorer, if she was middle class, class okay. and he was upper class or what. But there seems to be some discrepancy of their wealth. Yeah, okay. Now, the other question is, do you know when she was born? No. So I mean, I, I know I've probably seen it, but I don't remember. So she, she was born in the 14th century, uh-huh. 1340-something. Mm-hmm. And she died in the 15th century in 1440. Okay, so, so she wasn't that old. When no, she well, away. no, not really. But then back you have then, to remember, yeah. yeah. Back then, people didn't live that long. Yeah, a, a very different mm-hmm. uh, style of life. Yeah. And so, did she have kids? She did. I I know of a son. And what do you know about that son? Um, he was in the army, right? Yes. Um, and did he? Did he get captured? I believe he got captured. captured. And um but I I know that throughout her whole life she was um a very prayerful woman. Correct. And through her prayer many things happened from um you know her her, her pantry that she had um that she accidentally gave all the grain away to the poor um and she realized she accidentally emptied it out. Then she went to prayer to kind of find a solution or to, you know, think of a solution. But then when she came back, it was full. And then the same thing happened with wine barrels and her father-in-law. And, and that helped with the conversion of her father-in-law and her husband, from what I know. Um, and then when her son got captured, she went into prayer and was able to get her son back, right? Right. Something like that. But eventually one of the sons did die. Oh, from uh, from an illness, I don't know if it was typhoid or what, but mm-hmm. whatever the the prevalent right plague was at the time, her one of her sons did die from that. Interesting. And her husband died relatively young. Wow. I mean, today mm-hmm. we would think like eighty or ninety was old, but 
I would say he was probably in his 40s or 50s when he died. Oh, dang. So he died young. And so mm-hmm. she was a widow. And so supposedly mother-in-law was not thrilled. With her? Yeah. Well, I can't even. I know. This is unusual that a mother-in-law would not be happy with the daughter-in-law. I, I mean, my mother-in-law loves me. <laughs> I'm sorry, your mother-in-law? My future mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there something you're going to tell us? Is, is there a surprise? <laughs> it better be. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, back to the rest of the room. Um, however, is she? why didn't she like her? Is it because she was so committed to helping the poor? Yeah. And it was she kind of it was like scandalous? Her, it was below her station to be taking care of the poor. Oh, because you have to remember at this time the the, the rich really didn't care. If you remember, if we can look at another saint, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Francis's dad, what he was a um, a cloth merchant, mm-hmm. and if you remember the story where he took all of his clothes off in the middle of the uh, square and gave it back to his dad. Oh gosh, I did not know that story. Yeah, so he told him that everything that was his went back to him. And wow. so for to, for people to be identified with the poor at this time was kind of seen as very degrading. Oh, yeah. There hu- was a significant. Yeah. There's class you, system. me. No, it's us no, and them. Yeah. And we are not them. We are not we. Yeah. They yeah. are not we. Yeah. So so I think that's that's why I think there's there is some possible truth to the fact that she did come from a slightly different Mm -hmm. social class than her in-laws and so that seemed to create some tension but she had a really good relationship and in fact her sister-in-law was very much on the same boat as her but i think that came along later i don't think that happened right at the very beginning okay i i think that they eventually moved to that kind of piece Mm-hmm. But I don't think it, it started at the beginning. So with her prayerful life um, being so strong, is that how the the guardian angel came about? Or is it because I heard that because she was helping the poor so much, it, the guardian angel would help her like illuminate the way to be able to get back home in the streets of Rome? It, it was. The, that's mm-hmm. why she's always portrayed with the light. Mm-hmm. Because the guardian angel would, would shine a light on the path where she would go. And okay. so she's always portrayed either with the guardian angel and the mm-hmm. light or like with a lantern. Okay. So the so the guardian angel would illuminate the path okay. where she was going to be going. Interesting. Because I guess she would go at night to mm-hmm. tend to the poor or at, at, let's face it, at, there's some days by 4.30 it's pitch dark. Right. And, you know, no electricity, no outdoor lights. So you probably, and again, we're dealing with cobblestones and yeah, and back roads. then there was no and there were, lighted right, cities. <laughs> yeah. And again, we're talking possibility of bandits being out on the street. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, do you remember your story of Romeo and Juliet? Uh, yes, I do. And <laughs> so there's a lot of internal fighting with families within oh, yeah. the same city. So a lot of that stuff is going on when she's alive. Mm-hmm. So it, wa- it really was not appropriate for a young woman to be outside in the streets unaccompanied taking care of the poor. It just looked it, wrong. Yeah, and it put your own life in danger mm-hmm. and in peril. So it allowed you to, uh, so the guardian angel was part of, was, was always guiding her. Mm-hmm. Although there is, part of the legend is that the guardian angel would disappear whenever Francis of Rome would sin. Oh, really? Yes. And when she repented and came back, then he would come back. That's that's so funny. Um, This is a side uh, story, but my mom used to say that um, bad things would happen to you if you did something bad. 
growing up uh-huh. because your guardian angel would get so scared and so he would close his eyes real quick. So, I mean, for a kid, for a kid throwing a temper tantrum. No, not you. know, you. she would be like, oh, no, lo estás asustando. Look, that's why you hit your head on, on, the, on the table because your guardian angel couldn't protect you. You scared him, you know, but it had nothing to do. It's just that you're throwing a temper tantrum and obviously you're going to hit yourself if you're throwing yourself somewhere. But um, and now that connection of the guardian angel just made me laugh. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so, anyway, so the remainder of her life was spent mm-hmm. like opening up hospitals, I guess when... Um, at a, at a point in time, mm-hmm. they opened up their house or their villa. I don't know what, mm-hmm. what it, it wouldn't be house like our we think of it today. Right. So when op- they opened up the space, it became like a hospital where it took care of the sick and the poor and those kind of things is what she did. But eventually, she actually founded a group of oblate Benedictines. Okay. And so she dedicated herself to prayer mm-hmm. and in the Benedictine way of life. And so... Do you know what kind of sisters used to teach her? No. Benedictines. Oh, okay. Do you know that the sisters at St. Lucy's Priory? Yeah. They used to be the sisters here. Oh, interesting. When the school first yeah, opened yeah, yeah. in 1954, I believe the school uh-huh. opened, the, the Benedictine sisters were here. Oh, that's awesome. So they used to be here, mm-hmm. St. Dorothy's, St. Um, Sacred Heart, Louise de Merillac, Ourselves. So this is their and whole area. This used to be their whole area, mm-hmm. and and now unfortunately they're just contained to the um, to the high school at St. Lucy's. Interesting. But we have a connection with them because of Francis of Rome. So the spirituality of uh, of Francis was very much about Benedictine, mm-hmm. about that monastic life of being centered in prayer, centered on God, and the motto: "Work is prayer, and prayer is work." So very much centered on those pieces. Whistle while you work. Yes. <laughs> yes. So she was a pretty cool lady. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we would say she would be a good model of someone who is living their baptismal commitment. Oh, yeah. They put uh, work or their prayer life into action. Prayer, by being fasting, and almsgiving. Prayer, fasting, and alms. Very good. Very yeah. Lenten-y. That connection, that segue from our last podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, you know, so when you live at the, look at the kind of mm-hmm. life that uh, Francis of Rome lived, so you can k- kind of say that's someone that we want to imitate. Mm-hmm. That's someone that we want to follow. Which is what saints really are, is they show different ways to be able to serve God. Yeah. And it's through their passions. She right. had a passion for helping the poor, so she went ahead and well, Which is kind of that. funny because nowadays, you know, people name their children after artists, movie stars, mm-hmm. singers, and stuff like that. But in the olden days, oh, the olden days, mm-hmm. they would name uh, their children based on what day they were born or what saint's day was next to them. Oh, yeah. Like the, oh, es tu san- el día de, de tu, tu santo. santo. Yeah. yeah so that's saint's thing. day. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So that's where you'll you'll have some people called Emmanuel because mm-hmm. maybe they were born near Christmas. Or my middle name, Natalie, which is nativity. Yeah, was it, were you born near the, ho- the holiday? No, my mom just liked the name. <laughs> but she did remind me that it was my feast day because of my name. <laughs> you know, so some people are Boniface, Justin, mm-hmm. uh, Francis in various forms. Right. Hildegard. Right. Hildegard. Yes. That's an interesting name. German. I think it's Germanic. It's either. I think it's Germanic. Wow. So what's, Father, do you have a feast day? Well, well not anymore. Yeah, it, way back when. 
What, what? Well, the, we, when the calendar was originally made prior mm-hmm. to the Second Vatican Council, mm-hmm. there used to be a, a Saint Richard. Really? Yeah. What was he known for? Being king of England. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that connection so spot on? <laughs> I, I believe he was an English saint. Because I remember in the old Butler's Lives of the Saints, mm-hmm. I, I would look it up. Interesting. Yeah, so uh, so I was named Richard. And so uh, I want to say his feast date was originally on the 12th. But now in the new calendar, St. Matthias is on the 14th. There's n- Well, now everyone says it's Our Lady of Fatima on the Thirteen, but technically it's not in the calendar. It's the the date of the fr- I believe it's the first apparition. See, how do you remember all of these saints? I mean, their feast days. I mean, well, I know I know my good good amount of saints and their stories. At least a little like yeah, Sparks Note version of it. But um, you remember the dates? Impressive. Well, well because uh, you, uh, after so many years of living, you know, celebrating them and living them and stuff yeah. like that. Well, like for example. When I was at another parish, Philip the Apostle mm. was always May 3rd. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we always celebrate that. Mm-hmm. And then Bernard of Clairvaux, which was the other one, is mm-hmm. August 20th for the same reason. I mean, once you go to a particular parish, you just you, remember. You remember it. So, La Purisima Concepcion, December the 8th. For us Hispanics, Guadalupe, we can't forget about that yeah, one. December the 12th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now December the 9th. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then St. James. I believe it's July 25th. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, uh, because Santiago Apostol, I want to say, is is in July. Because right. our Spanish community does celebrate that So, one. Father, why do we have um, the patron saints of parishes? It, the parishes are dedicated to particular saints mm-hmm. so that we might kind of aspire to those um, qualities mm-hmm. of, of the saint. Right. And, it's, and at the same time, it helps us to remember. But it's not just saints. You'll we have parishes called Blessed Sacrament, yeah, Nativity, Epiphany, Holy Family, Holy Family. So it's it's pieces that help us to celebrate the life of the Lord, mm-hmm. celebrate Christ in the lives of other peoples, mm-hmm. and at the same time give us a broader vision of um, you know Christ being among us and mm-hmm. how we live that out. Someone said, "Imagine like a diamond." Mm-hmm. And when you hold it in the light of the sun and light pierces it, it gives you a multifaceted dimension. Mm-hmm. And that's what these saints do. They give us a multifaceted dimension of who God is and how God acts in our lives. Right. Awesome. And now I'm, I'm bringing in confirmation because I am, you know. The confirmation coordinator? The, I am the confirmation coordinator if you need me. Um, don't know my extension. Just kidding. <laughs> it's one, two, three. <laughs> but... Um, so in confirmation, when we receive the sacrament, we choose a saint name. However, we at St. Francis of Rome don't choose a saint name. We use our name because why, Father? Well, I mean, idea, I know the answer, but Well, why? the idea is that you should be living out your life in such a way that your very existence demonstrates God's goodness and God's love. That you exemplify Christ, you manifest manifest Christ, you make Christ known through your own words and through your own actions. And you are called to sainthood. Yeah, well, that's the basic one. Yeah. We are called to holiness. Mm-hmm. Now it's and it's funny because if you look at the ritual, mm-hmm. it never asks for a saint's name in there. Mm. The ritual never says anything. 
the, the only thing it says is that you give the bishop your name. Mm-hmm. But it never says that it's a saint's name. Interesting. So if you look at the ritual, it would not be a a, a, a saint name. But you, you're at the idea. Mm-hmm. And John Paul II would constantly say that we are called to holiness. Right. That is our, our, our entire mission and vision in life. Yeah, just like what we teach the teens. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the Archdiocese, we even have here in L.A. an event that's called City of Saints. Um, and we like to highlight specific saints, not... Um, and of all age groups, of all different patronages, is that what you say? Yeah. yeah. Um, because we want to show them that every saint used their gifts and talents, their passions to serve God. Yeah. Um, St. Francis of Rome, she used what she had to be able to serve, to be able to spread God's light. Um, and it's nice it's a nice thing to know their stories to be able to see hey i kind of resemble that or i kind of connect to that yeah um so and it is amazing how many people don't know Mm -hmm. who francis of rome is oh yeah no her story no i mean unless you kind of look into it it, you always connect it back to saint francis of assisi now i have to admit and Mm -hmm. i don't know if you know this that statue that's in the chapel that's not really Francis of Rome. Really? <laughs> but that is, I mean, the relic, right? The, the relic real. is a Francis of Rome. Okay. Okay. But the statue is not. And what, what is a relic, Father? A relic is usually a, uh, a piece of bone mm-hmm. or some element that is taken from the saint. And it's, um, it, it, it is part of them. So in this case, I, I believe it is a bone fragment. Is there different kinds of relics? Like, so there's bone, there's pieces of clothing. Yes. There's so is what is well a first cl- a first class relic is considered to Our be. Apologies with the microphone. <laughs> a first class relic would be the um, the bone, an actual uh-huh. part of their body. Uh huh. Your blood, your uh, bone would your be the hair. person. Yeah, your hair. Mm-hmm. Those would be the, the or your your eyeballs. Do they have eyeballs? Uh, some do. No way. Yeah, but I don't know if, if if it's true or not. But we'll just you know. And then so the clothes you wear might be a second class relic. Okay. Because it touched sanctity. I actually have one. Do you? Yeah. Of who? And I left it at um, the San Gabriel office. But of, <gasps> no. Yes. Who, who who's it of? Of Saint Teresa. Of Lisieux? Yeah. And you left it? Well, I, okay. I, some sisters came to um, visit Bishop. um, And I was the only one at the office. And I was like, oh no, you know, he's not here. And they came to give him like a gift or something. And then one of them pulls out a relic and she was like, and this is for you. And, um, I, I, I was moved. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And every morning there, they would actually pray as a staff. So I put it near where we um, would normally have like the Bible and everything, like kind of our prayer. Your little prayer corner. Yeah. And I kind of just said, this is ours. I mean, this relic is ours. It was given to you. Yeah. It was a second class relic. Oh, Um, okay. So it touched your body. Yeah. It was, it was part of her, it was a gar, like a part like of her. Like a part garment? garment? Probably her habit. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. And then, so I still technically own it because it's, they even say it's mine. But I just left it there because I feel 
you know, oh, okay. it was part of And then a third class memory. relic would be maybe something you touched, like her rosary. I do have that. <laughs> so, um, so you've been Padre hoarding? Pio. Oh, Padre Pio. Padre Pio, but um, I have a necklace that touched his glove, and then they said that that was a third class relic, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, I have, an, yeah, that. So, so here at St. Francis, we have a first class relic. Mm-hmm. Statue's not real. Dang. But we'll put it out. Now, on, on, on the Feast of Fra- uh, Francis of Rome, uh-huh. we will decorate with flowers. Ooh. Give her give her a little space so she can come out. And party with us. And we can wear white instead of purple. <gasps> Ooh. Because for us, it would be celebrated as a feast day. Oh, and question, Father. Um, and this could be for a whole different podcast. Uh, oh, foreshadowing. But um, you know how... They have a fragment of a saint in the altar put in. Is that, or do we have it? Every altar, we do. Every altar has it. But well, I is would it say of if they're St. Made Francis? A- no. No. Okay. That has nothing to do with the other. No. Okay. I would say that, I forget the name of the saint. I would say like, especially if you have a, um, a marble altar, mm-hmm. you do have them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the altar, it would, in the ideal world, you would be able to have uh the relics now in the old system the relics were on the altar okay but if you notice when the dedication of the cathedral in los angeles Mm -hmm. and the dedication of the cathedral in orange they put them under the altar oh not in the altar so the um i want to say that in orange i believe there was a, a bit of uh vietnamese martyrs American wow. martyrs. So they just so, got some, a little, oh, I, a I, tiny bit of everything. They get a little bit of everything. But, I mean, I, I think the, the Vietnamese is a little more than a tad. I think it's a little bit more. So it could be something as simple as, like, one strand of hair? Oh, no. I, I think it's bigger than that. I think it's more bone oh, okay. for the ultra ones. As long as it's not like, like an eyeball. No I'm, no. I'm still in shock about that. You mentioned it, like, yeah. Well, St. Lucy ago. lost her. St. <laughs> Lucy was, is, was, supposedly they gouged her eyes out. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why she's patron of the light. Lucia yeah. means light. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I did not know that though. That that they gouged her. The the stories of the saints, man. And again, and we're talking about kids. Well, with teenagers that were between probably tw- ages of twelve to fifteen when most mm-hmm. of them died. Yeah. So they were very young. I can't imagine doing that at twelve years old. Oh yeah, what the. I think St. Sebastian was used as target practice. Yeah, but right? I think he was a little older because he was a soldier in the army. Yeah. So he would have had to be maybe 18, 20-something. Yeah. And then the story of St. Tarsisius. Which one's that one? He was the one that, he was a, a little boy, maybe the ages of 8 to 10. Uh-huh. And he used to take the um, the Blessed Sacrament to the prisoners uh-huh. uh, along with the food. And so one day the some bullies wanted to know what he was carrying and so they he wouldn't give them the the blessed sacrament and so they killed him for that really what's that uh jose uh del rio the oh, new mexican the, uh, the mexican saint yeah i was gonna say the new mexican no it's mexican he, saint well he, i mean he <laughs> he's recently, new he's comma, new mexican saint. <laughs> yeah he his feet with the bottom were of slashed. his where they were they cut. were slashed and then he had to he had walk, to, walk. Uh, to his grave Oh my goodness. And he was only like 14. 14. 
Dear Lord. Jose Sanchez del Rio. That's his name. Yeah. Thank you, Rafa. <laughs> yeah. A young guy just made by the Pope recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Their stories are insane. Oh, yeah. What, but he was, so, he was part of the Cristero movement. So did you have to choose a saint, um, a patron saint for your confirmation, Father? I did. And who did you choose? Do you remember? Dominic Savio. Dominic Savio. Ooh, intellectual. No, right? no, not really. It was he? Just holy. <laughs> who Who was the one that is intellectual? There's a high school nearby. That's intellectual? That's known for being intellectual. One of the saints. I'm I'm a really great Catholic, guys. Uh, Remember, I, I went uh, to public school. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, I thought it was Dominic Savio. Well, it's not Damien. No, it's not Damien. It's more towards like the Whittier area. What's that one high school? It's, it's There's St. Gonna... Matthias. There's Pius. Was St. Matthias? No, St. No, Matthias. St. Matthias is, is one of the apostles. But no, there, it's known for... I'm, I'm going to have to get back to you guys in the next podcast with the answer. Yeah, because I don't know of any saint to. that's known for... I mean, Here, let me see. Bonaventure or... I thought Dominic Salvio was known for his studies. No, he died young. Yeah? Yeah, I want to say he died maybe before he was 12. But I could oh, be wrong. wow. Yeah, wow. died very young. So is he still... Some a a, pre, a saint that you ask for his intercession? Father? No, not really. No. No, well, I have I have new ones. <laughs> which ones are your new ones? My new Bernard of Clairvaux. Okay. Uh, the, what the reformer of the Cistercian order? Mm-hmm. And uh, let me think. Probably um. Charles de Foucault, but he's not a saint. Oh, he's he, he blessed or what? No, yes. he was killed by by uh, Muslims in Algiers at the start of the 20th century. What? Yeah, I didn't know that. Do, do you ever do you ever remember hearing the prayer of abandonment? Mm, he wrote it. Really, I don't remember. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, he's not officially a saint, but mm-hmm. because of his courage and, and everything, I, 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 I do like him a lot. And I like his prayer of abandonment. So um, with that, Father, we just to clarify, if there's any listeners out there that don't know what we use saints for, um, and we could talk about this another time, is um, we don't at, we don't worship saints. No, no. It, it, it's like uh, you don't worship baseball players, basketball players, yeah. hockey players, soccer players. We aspire to be like them. Mm-hmm. And so when we have saints, it's that whole piece of wanting to imitate them. That's right. what we do, including Mary. We mm-hmm. aspire to be like Mary, who Which was is our number one saint, our first disciple of Jesus, because a saint is really a disciple of Jesus, mm-hmm. someone who responds to the call of holiness. I love that. So with that. Hard we to believe we're at the end of our time. Celebrate their lives. Yes, and so mm-hmm. for a par- as a parish, we will celebrate the feast of Francis of Rome, CES, mm-hmm. on Tuesday, March the 9th. And since it is our titular feast, party hard. You can party hard <laughs> on that day. That's awesome. Well, I well. definitely would like to invite people to come to mass. We have an eight o'clock mass in yes. the morning. 
in English mm-hmm. and a five o'clock mass in Spanish. Yeah. And again, remember, we have reopened the church. And so we have our regular mass uh, schedule, except for Sunday at five o'clock. We still uh-huh. haven't put that one back in. Eventually, it will Eventually. Come back, and we will announce it. Yes. And remember, our church does accommodate at 25% with social distancing between 250 and 275. If the doors do close, don't freak out. We, we will... do have an outside patio area. And we do turn on the speaker. speaker. We do bring you communion. You still celebrate Mass with us. But according to COVID restrictions, we have to respect the law. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, but, but again, so let's on Tuesday, remember to invoke Francis of Rome. Because she is the light on Route 66. I love that plug. (laughs) Bye, guys. This episode of The Guiding Light on Route 66 was recorded in Azusa, California and produced by SFR Media Productions. Music for the intro and outro was used with permission from Epidemic Sound. For music like this and more, please visit EpidemicSound.com. For more information about this podcast, please visit www.sfrchurch.org.